Hi, my name is Milan Gonçalves and I'm an associate professor at the Delft University of Technology in the Industrial Design Engineering Faculty. Hello, my name is Lisa Lantzbrinke and I'm an assistant professor at Erasmus University Rotterdam in the clinical psychology team. So youth have the right to be heard by adults when adults are making decisions that will actually affect youth or children. Still, some people think that collaborative creativity, as in participatory design, it's a cool trick, a fun activity, full of post-its and colorful, but they don't put a lot of weight on it or don't see something that is worth that to know more about it. Welcome to this all-new three-part spin-off series, Researching a Healthy Start. In this series, inspiring researchers and practitioners in the Netherlands talk about their daily work with and for use as part of the Healthy Start Consortium. As in every episode, the guests will talk about their past, present, and future. In this episode, we will listen to Milene Gonsalvich and Lisanne Tebrinke, who talk about their work on youth participation. They share with us how their two disciplines, design versus developmental psychology, have different ways of including use in research and in practice, how this can further be improved, and how these two disciplines can learn from each other in the future. All right, let's start with the episode. Welcome, Lisan, and thank you for joining us today. So, as in every episode, we'll start talking about the past. Why did you become interested in the topic of youth participation? Well, to explain why I became interested in youth participation and involvement, I actually have to go back a few years into my PhD. So I did my PhD at Utrecht University, where I studied the working elements of emotion regulation treatments in order to decrease aggressive behavior problems in youth. So after four years, I really gained more insight into which elements of interventions were more effective for which groups of adolescents. And I really liked that. But I also saw that, well, we actually, the adolescents that we included in our research, they were very creative and they had a lot of ideas that we didn't really include. So we worked together with clinicians, for example, to study like which elements for which youths. But we didn't really ask these adolescents the same question. We studied them, but we didn't ask them specifically, like, how would you design or co-create these types of interventions? So after finishing my PhD, I realized that I actually wanted to do something with the ideas and creative insights of these adolescents in our research. So rather than having these youth as just passive study objects, I really wanted to include their ideas and their voices in our work. So therefore, I did my postdoc at Erasmus University, Um, and I became one of the co-founders of the Young Experts Platform for Youth Participation, where not we as researchers, but actually youth themselves are seen as the actual experts, hence the young experts of youth development. So what about you, Milena? Why did you become interested in the topic of youth participation and involvement? Well, like you, I also have to rewind a bit to explain how I became interested in this topic. So I come from a completely different background than you. I studied design in Portugal, and I was always fascinated about how do people create? How do they come up with ideas? How do they make stuff, either individually or together? 
And I had the opportunity to move from Portugal to the Netherlands to do a PhD at UDelft on the topic of design creativity. And that allowed me to dive deep into understanding design cognition. So how actually people think, in this case designers, what inspires them, what blocks them, what is the best inspiration to use, and what are the shortcuts that designers use to come up with ideas, because we use a lot of shortcuts to think. And after I finished my PhD, I was still, and I am still super uh, passionate about creativity, and I wanted to go beyond the individual designer because the type of research I did until then was mostly focused on individual work, on verbal protocol analysis. And after that, I went more into the collaborative side because designers, after all, they tend to work collaboratively and involve all types of stakeholders in the process. And not only at the ideation stage when they have to come up with ideas, but at all steps of the design process. And this shift also coincided with the start of a minor program that I developed with a group of colleagues from uh, the IDE faculty. Um, and we, I was working with them, and these are all practitioners on creativity. So we created this a minor called Connected Creativity. And there we teach interdisciplinary students to think and act creatively, and more importantly, to harness creativity in, from other people in large groups. We use creative facilitation, but it, we also use other types of approaches. And this eventually led to the creation of the Delft Design Lab Connected Creativity, where I'm the director and I collaborate with creative practitioners, researchers, organizations in this bridge between creativity theory and practice. And one of our interests is co-creation. So how do we involve non-designers, people that have not been trained to come up with ideas in a systematic way? How do we support them in creative tasks? So tackling problems that where they are the experts on, but may not have the tools to answer them. And that's precisely the convergent point that I hope that we bring on the topic of youth participation. And Lisanne, why did you become a researcher? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, which is also a bit hard to answer, I think, because it was also a process. So I think my main answer would be that I became a researcher because I really found my passion in doing impact-driven research. So during my bachelor and master in clinical child and adolescent psychology, I actually planned to become a practitioner to really to become a clinical child psychologist. So I also did a master in clinical psychology and I gained a work experience in a clinic for adolescents and children with uh, severe behavioral difficulties. But after that, I really, or actually during working in this clinical practice, I really missed academia. And I also did a, a second master, a research master. Well, after this year, I think, of working in clinical practice, I decided to go back to the university to do my PhD. And actually, then I never really switched back because I realized that also in doing research and especially research that is closely related to clinical practice, uh, I also have a lot of contact with adolescents, but not really on the individual scale, but more on a larger scale. And to me, it feels that I can make the most impact uh, by doing research. That sounds really engaging as well as a task for us to follow our motivation. I think I have a similar path because I became a researcher because I told you already that I've always been curious about how people create, what makes people tick. And I studied design. So that was, in Portugal, a very hands-on profession. Design research isn't very well established there. So at least not as it is here. And I had my career kind of set for me. I finished my degree. I thought my portfolio was great. And I uh, landed an internship on a product design company. And then I actually hated it because there was no time to think. I was just supposed to be kind of a production machine. And definitely there was no space for creativity. 
So that was a pivotal moment for me because I was extremely disappointed by this commercial machine that designers are supposed to be, at least in that setup. So I quitted and I decided to do a research master program. And I had some amazing professors at that time that guided me in this process. And that restored my love for design, where I could do something meaningful that had an impact. Because if I can make people more creative, then I'm helping people bring meaning to them and solve the challenges that surround us. So I actually found my passion when I became a researcher. And Lisanne, if you had to give an advice to other junior colleagues on your field, what would that be? Yeah, so my advice, I think, would be really to follow your own path and also have a little bit trust in how the path is is developing actually in front of you. So I think for me, what I learned, so I had this view of me becoming a clinical psychologist and well, I tried and then it didn't work out. And I think I never really lost the path in that. And I really decided to make my own choices and to really switch, for example, programs after my PhD to go into a little bit of a different field as well, which I really liked. And I gained a lot of fun along the way as well. And I learned a lot from it. So my advice would be to follow your own path. And what about you, Milena? What did you learn along the way? Yeah, I think that I resonate a lot with what you said. And I think in the end, we are kind of... Uh, having to choose right away when we are so young, what is the path that we want to follow? And at some point, it almost feels like we are following this path because we have to rather than what we want. So I think a good advice to give is that if you find yourself at a moment of crossroads, you can always rely on role models to inspire you into transitioning for another path. But it's also your experiences and how you reflect about them that define you. So you don't have to let the path previously set for you, define you. You can define it for you. This brings us to our next section, the present. If you had to explain youth participation to your grandma, how would you do this? <laughs> That's a challenging question, I think. But I can start from the perspective of my field in design. And participatory design is actually a big field, which overlaps to some extent with a lot of design variants and flavors like co-creation or co-design. So you might have heard about these kind of terms and it might be confusing to what they are. And there are some slight distinctions between them, but it's kind of a matryoshka effect. One fits in the other and fits in the other. So from the perspective of the design field, I follow the definition that participation is about collective creativity. So it spans the whole design process, not just at a specific moment of the design process. And then it's collective creativity because the stakeholders are involved, because they are the experts of their own experiences. And because of that, they should be involved. It's not just about asking, what do you think about this? With surveys or in the beginning of a research study or at the end to check if they like option A or option B better. This is really not what participation is. So participatory design is to create together with them an understanding of what the problem is and what could the future be. So specifically on youth participation is about having young people as co-creators throughout the whole design process. So for instance, we did a project with MBO students about citizenship skills, and we wanted to investigate how could we improve citizenship skills so that we would involve participation in society and in the municipality, the involvement of youth with the municipality. And what we did was several co-creation studies in which we would design with the young people, in this case MBO students, on what they mean 
mean about citizenship skills? What's their perspective about the municipality? Where do they actually learn about citizenship skills? And all of that was in a long process that actually it required a lot of their involvement at different steps. And in the end, the designer in this case was a graduation student of mine. She created together with them and with other types of youngsters, so we are not just reaching out to MBO in this case, a type of game that would allow them to build up citizenship skills within the classroom. And what about you, Lisan? What would be an example or a definition of youth participation that you could use from your own field and explain it to your grandma? For me, the definition of youth participation from a developmental psychology perspective includes two main components. First component is that youth can make their voices heard, that they are, can participate and that they are included in new plans and developments. The second is that this participation is also actually meaningful, that something happens with their input. So these two aspects are for me really the key. So not only that they are being given the opportunity to make their voice heard, but also that we actually listen. And this definition also relates to me to one of the um, child rights from the United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child. Actually, Article 12 states that children and youth have the right to make their views and opinions matter and that adults actually need to listen to them. So youth have the right to be heard by adults when adults are making decisions that will actually affect youth or children. And to me, this quite broad definition of youth participation applies to different fields. So not only to research, so I'm looking at youth participation in research, where we actually actively include the voices of youth in shaping our research process, but also in policymaking or in education, where also students are actually actively involved in shaping the educational path that they follow and that we listen to them not only after the course, for example. So when we ask them, hey, how did you like this course or what would you have seen better? but also by co-creating with them and how we teach. And Lisanne, now your definition of participation is, uh, you gave an, a really cool example about education and from your perspective. How do you see youth participation in research? Can you tell more about that? Yes, sure. So for me, a key definition of youth participation in research is that youth are included as active agents in different phases of the research cycle. So if we look at the research cycle, this starts, for example, with formulating a research question. Then we continue with defining the methods or doing an operationalization of the construct that we want to measure. And then we start collecting data and we end up with analysis and conclusions, really short wrap up of this circle. And in more traditional research on adolescents, adolescents are included as quite passive study objects in the method phase, so where they answer our questionnaires, for example, or they participate in our experiments. And to me, youth participation in research is really that youth have the opportunity to be included as active agents in multiple phases of the research cycle. So for example, we collaborate with them in formulating research questions, or we actually ask them to be included in deciding which research questions we want to pursue. And I think this also really nicely illustrates that at some point we also can include both the research cycle and the design cycle. Because research also includes some design aspects. For example, we develop questionnaires, we create questionnaires or we create experimental methods. So I think in this process, we can sometimes include both the research cycle and the design cycle. And then co-creation is also key in research. 
It's really cool that you mentioned this because I really see a lot of parallels between the design process and the research process. I am a design researcher, so for sure my uh, kind of uh, research process follows very much, very close to a design process in a way. So it's good that in participation we are doing this combined vision. So Milena, what was one recent meaningful insight or moment at your work which related to youth participation that really resonated with you either personally or more professionally? Well, maybe I can use one example picking up on something that you said about youth participation in policy and give you an example about that. And from that context, I have experienced that still some people think that collaborative creativity, as in participatory design, it's a cool trick, a fun activity, full of post-its and colorful, but they don't put a lot of weight on it or don't see something that is worth that to know more about it. So there are quite some misconceptions about it. And I can give you an example from a couple of master graduation projects working on the topic of youth participation. They are actually working together with our postdoc in a healthy start, Irena Fierlos. And one of them has been diving deep into the municipality of Rotterdam to understand how policymakers involve youth in their participation approaches. So there is at least the intention, top down at least, to do some youth participation. But we found out that policymakers don't have any training per se to do it. Even more surprisingly, when there was training, there was a training course on co-creation being offered to policymakers, but it was cancelled due to the lack of interest. So doing co-creation isn't very trivial. It's not just doing some energizers, using post-its and voila, we get people participating. And of course, it's not a one-off occasion. But when we are talking about participation, we need to consider it throughout several phases of the design process and research process, as we mentioned. So I think this is an important example because it made me aware that we also have to change mindsets. So in policymakers, so that they see it as a worthwhile investment, but also in youth. And something really important to consider is how we facilitate the actual participation. We can't just out of the blue, ask people to be creative, stepping out of their comfort zone. We need to facilitate them in a way to increase their creative confidence so that they can feel they can be creative in the moment. What about you? What have you experienced in your work life? What kind of insights did emerge from your work? So I think for me, what you say about changing mindset, that really resonates. So what I experienced in doing this youth participatory research is that it's quite different from the more traditional research process in a way that we can have a really good plan and we can have a really nice idea on how to capture the creativity of youth. But then we are there and then just really something happens and it's different than we expected and you really have to be flexible in the moment. So a really concrete example is that um, not too long ago uh, we were organizing a co-creation session with youth on the topic of climate change and we really wanted to get their ideas on climate change education basically. So we organized a really nice session and we had really cool activities planned to do with them. And we started with a little introduction saying that many youths worry about climate change. So this was in Rotterdam, South neighborhoods. And then actually this was just our introduction or meant to be our introduction before we started with the actual activities. But then we got a lot of pushback from the youth because they said, what do you mean with climate change? And I actually never thought about this. So please tell me more. Can you show me a video? 
is this about? I don't know, um, sea levels rising. And then actually we really had to turn around our session because we first needed to, actually this was our assumption that from our research, I think that these youths were, that climate change was actually an important topic to them, but it was not. So we couldn't deep dive into creating something before we actually had them on board as well on that our session would be on this topic. Other example was that we were organizing a session at a school. We had planned it well with the teachers and everyone, and we were ready in the room, and then no one showed up. Wow. So, because I, there happened to be an, an overlap with something other or something else that was important in their life. So, I think that's really, it's stepping out of our own comfort zone doing participatory research, mm-hmm. but also in sort of being humble and, and adjusting ourselves into the process and to the day-to-day life of youth themselves, rather than getting them involved in our academic life and our research. So I think the really key is to really collaborate on this rather than enforcing our ideas and our methods on youth. Mm -hmm. Because after all, they are the experts of their own lives. Yes, indeed. And that also means that our methods need to fit their life and not our life. Yeah, absolutely. This brings us to our final section, the future. What changes would you like to see in the upcoming years regarding your research and your work on youth participation and involvement, Lisanne? I actually think that there are two key components that we need to figure out together to move to the future. First is that we need to figure out how to make youth participation in research, but also in policy, really meaningful. So what I see happening sometimes is that from really good intentions, the idea is to include youth in everything. So in every aspect of the research cycle, um, we want to have youth included. But that actually doesn't help in making it meaningful participation because uh, some parts of policymaking or some parts of research, there's not just that much room for youth to be actually involved and to really make their voices heard. So I think that we need to be careful in uh, considering more participation is not always better, but that we really have to include the voices of youth in a way that is meaningful, that really is leading to changes, actually. Second is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel as researchers or as policymakers, because there's actually a whole research field, your research field, Milana, in um, how to, in co-creation, for example, and that a collaboration is key. Well, you say that there is a whole research field that we can learn from, but actually I feel that from the design perspective, we can learn a lot from your fields. So I think what I would like to see in the upcoming years is how we bridge our fields. So we have so much to learn from each other. And this convergence program in where Healthy Start is situated is an incredible first step, but we need to figure it out like best practices of transdisciplinary work. So to learn how do we actually transcend our own fields to answer questions about youth participation. So I'm looking forward to think in terms of mixed methods that we can uh, take from clinical psychology, sociology, design, for instance, and how could we create rigorous research from our combined expertise? Because in the end, it's not just picking and choosing. I think we have to make it meaningful as well, like you said about what kind of methods can we use for the best purpose for youth participation. But this kind of collaboration doesn't come without challenges, right? I think we are already noticing that in our collaboration. What do you think might be future challenges for us and for other types of collaboration in terms of uh, this transdisciplinary approach? 
Yes, I think that one of the challenges is also that um, if you come from different fields and you start collaborating, like us, mm-hmm. um, you really need time to get to know each other, not only on a personal level, which we already do, which is really nice, but also a more a disciplinary level. So, for example, it took us some time to learn what in your field, for example, was meant with a research paper or a, mm-hmm. how you are actually doing the research process. And so we really need time, I think, to invest in learning each other's language. Do you agree? Absolutely. And it's funny because we had this conversation about what is it for you, a conference paper? And I mentioned that in design, a conference paper, normally you have to submit it beforehand and then you have a publication out of it. And then in the conference, you actually just present the work that is already done. But in your case, it's it's quite different, right? Yes, so if I go to a conference, I do submit something beforehand. It's called like an abstract, Mm -hmm. but I can still work on it and it doesn't have to be finished paper, but it's just something to present and some preliminary work or, and it's not a publication indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And actually from the conference, you have a discussion that is meaningful and that you can use it in your development. So that's, I find that really refreshing. So this kind of things, we had to figure it out and we are still figuring out how to do it, even in terms of how to do Systematic literature, for instance, I think that's uh, already something that we are also figuring out how to do it together. Yes, and I think every time that you send me a paper, it's so interesting because then I realize that actually about this participatory research, it's those papers, they write down things that I am thinking about Mm -hmm. at some point, but from a really different perspective. And so I learn a lot from that. And also I don't find these research articles myself Mm -hmm. because it's not my field. So that's why collaboration is so important. Yeah. I guess I would like to get a deep dive into, I think that's maybe a nice way to go about these kind of collaborations is to kind of get a deep dive into each other's fields. And sometimes we involve each other in sessions. And I think that's a really good beginning. Reading each other's literature, that's also a great beginning. And I'm wondering what you think could be next steps for us to deep dive into each other's fields? Yes. So I do think that's from we learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also in for youth participation would also be my advice for researchers who want to start with youth participation is that you can make a really good plan, but you also learn by doing and adjusting uh, along the way. So I think what we are doing now is just starting and just collaborating and being open and transparent about each other's needs or each other's wishes. Uh, That's really helpful. Yeah. There is this sentence, uh, no good plan survives impact with reality. So I think that's uh, really meaningful for us and for transdisciplinary research. This was a really nice quote, Milena. And I have one final question for you. How do you stay motivated in your job as a researcher? Well, I think I'm quite lucky. I love researching. How can I empower others to be more creative? So I'm usually highly motivated in my job. I mentioned earlier that we teach a minor program for interdisciplinary students to learn creativity. And they learn theory, processes, techniques, attitudes, anything to empower their creativity. And I have to say that the students are a huge source of motivation for me. In one of the courses, I support the students in building their creative confidence and how do they, uh, and they have to reflect on their experiences throughout the minor. And I'm at the moment in the class that I need to read their reflections and it is super meaningful. They are having these amazing breakthroughs, sometimes tapping into their mental well-being, sometimes allowing themselves to find what being creative means in their own field. And that is really super special. It motivates me tremendously. What about you? What keeps you motivated, Lisanne? What I really love about my job is that every day is different. 
So some days I'm just behind my computer writing or running analysis. And other days I'm organizing a youth participation session or discussing the outcomes of one of our projects with policymakers. And then in that case, working with youth, actively including youth in our research is actually even more meaningful and special because youth are very creative and out of the box thinkers. And yeah, I really love that. Thank you both so much for your valuable insights, for your inspiring stories and for your ideas about how we can better work with and for youth. And thank you all for listening and talk soon. We want to thank Minor Revisions for the music, Lotte Koeman-Gorczewski for the logo design, Max Kersten for audio editing, and Zeynep Alpay for their artwork. We also want to thank the Healthy Start Consortium for the funding of the spin-off series. 